Thank you so much for joining me on Teach Me How to Money. Today, we have a fantastic guest. We're here with Ashley Feinstein-Gerstley. She is a financial nutritionist, and we're so excited to be speaking with her. Thank you. Uh, tell us about yourself and tell us how you became a financial nutritionist. So the name financial nutritionist, it's kind of a funny story. My friend and I tried out different ways to introduce me at an event because I noticed when I said, I'm a money coach or I deal with money people, the reaction, you know, it sounded a little boring. So we, the financial nutritionist <laughs> name got a great response. And I think it's how a nutritionist helps us be healthy with money and meet our health goals. A financial nutritionist helps us have a healthy relationship with money and meet our financial goals. So I think that I've always said that food and finance are, have a lot of similar characteristics in that um, there's a lot of shame attached to you know getting healthy and there's some shame attached to getting financially healthy. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> do you find that there's an overlap in what you do? Yes, so much. I think for both there's missing education. So there's definitely an aspect of I don't know what I should be doing when it comes to my money and oftentimes our food. We hear a lot of there's so much noise about what we should be doing. But then I think there's this aspect once we do know what we should be doing, we don't do it <laughs> or we yeah. can't bring ourselves to do it. Sure. And that's where the emotional behavioral sides are so important. And I think that emotional aspect makes them very similar. Okay. So how did you become a financial nutritionist? How did you get here? I needed it. <laughs> yeah. Long story short, I needed it myself. I studied finance in college. I worked in oh, finance. Wow. Yeah, I was an investment banker and then in corporate finance. So finance background, finance education, and I still knew nothing about my own money. Isn't that funny how yeah. that happens? And I thought, if I don't know, who knows about this? You're right. And when I started, I had to figure it out because I was bleeding through my savings after I quit my investment banking job. And what I found was the information, what I was reading, made it seem boring, daunting, kind of like I'm not part of this club that I... Yeah, I, that's how a lot of people feel. Like, you have to be really rich or you have to understand this very dry jargon. Yeah. So I just started writing about what I was learning, the pieces that I thought were really helpful and making it essentially accessible how I wish I could have read about it. And that's where it all began. So how did it... But how did it really begin? What made you take that step to suddenly go from working in finance to taking more of the side of the consumer. Yeah, so I so the needing it. So as I was figuring it out, I I this is a weird thing I do and it but I tend to have to do the thing that is most scary to me. That's great. Yes. I tend and, to avoid it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to avoid it and so at the time sharing like having a voice and putting my words on the internet as someone who never was a writer or like hardly raised her hand in class to put what I viewed and to put my opinion somewhere that seemed very permanent was terrifying to me. Oh, my goodness. And how long ago was this? This was in 2012. Oh, wow. So how did it feel? There's so much I want to ask you. How did it feel to leave, I assume, a, a lucrative job in investment banking to do something, you know, sort of, I'd never heard of financial nutritionist before, so you're <laughs> kind of pioneering something different. How did you make that leap? It's a great question. I So originally my plan was to, so after I started writing about it, people started asking me for help. And that's when I thought, but at first it was just for fun. Sure. And then when people asked me for help and then would pay me to help them and other sites started asking me to write for them and would pay me to write for them, I thought, oh, this could be a thing. And my goal was, I at the time I knew once it started going, I wanted to leave my corporate job. 
And my goal was to have my business be profitable before I left. And wow. that not, was not the case at all. <laughs> <laughs> but we, it, the dreams are important. Yes. And That's it, a good goal, though. It was a great goal. And I, um, I got a promotion at work, and it was going to take so much of my time to hit the ground running and, and get up to speed that I knew I'd have to make a choice. Ugh. So I chose to take the leap, and I sat in my boss's office physically shaking <laughs> when I quit. <laughs> So brave. And there's such a need for it. There's such a need for someone empathetic to hold your hand while you admit all your financial flaws and perceived failures. Right. Non-judgmental is very important. Very, very key. Um, okay, so I was very interested. There's a lot of stuff I'm interested in, but you do a 30-day money cleanse. That's something that you advocate as a way to jump in and get started. Yes. Explain the 30-day money cleanse to me. So the 30-day money cleanse came about because I saw the same things happening over and over with my one-on-one clients. And it didn't matter how much or how little we earned. We were struggling with similar things. And it's very analogous to a juice cleanse. We, it's very much about aligning our spending with our values because so much of what we do is unconscious or we do it because what other people are doing or we think we should. So it's getting clear on what's important, getting clear on what's happening with our money, and then aligning the two so that it's... The, the result is that we're feeling like we're living bigger, better lives, but we're saving much more money. Okay. So this is what I think of a cleanse. Personal story, I went to the cleanse, and afterwards I, I ended up eating an entire loaf of bread. <laughs> yeah. And do you worry that people can – is this a kind of cleanse where you can fall off the wagon afterwards? <laughs> yeah. So I think that's a really great point, and that happens with money so much because of our – it's like the scarcity mindset. And sure. it's why I hate the word budget because it makes you like, oh. Yeah, budgeting is not a sexy, no. fun, exciting party word. I call it happiness allocation because you're allocating your money in the way that's going to make you the happiest in the short and long term. Interesting. So I think – Yes, the cl- the word cleanse is really fun, but I th- it, that is definitely not what you want to happen. Sure. Is, oh, I'm not allowed to do anything. Ashley's going to ask me to stay home and eat ramen, and that's how I'll save money. So how we avoid that kind of backlash is a few th- key things, is getting that what we want is for ourselves. So often we're kind of like in this combative Imagine devil on one shoulder, angel, like, don't do that, do that. Yeah, of course, you deserve it. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> right. Of and course. If we're buying things or treating ourselves to things that are at the expense of what we really want or our real goal, is that really a treat? So, like, get it, so getting clear that we want what we're saying we want and that it's for us. So it's kind of a mindset shift. Like, instead of restricting us, it's a gift to sure. do this. And then I think also getting okay with the journey being very imperfect. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the best, I mean, people say diets are often, can lead to failure because it's a diet. But if you do these very subtle lifestyle changes, it won't feel quite as traumatic. Um, Does that seem fair to you when it comes to changing your financial lifestyle? And definitely. And what we call it in the money cleanse, so the first week we strip out frivolous spending as defined by you. And that kind of trips up our Hmm. routines and shows us how much we already are or have an experience when we take out the things that we're defining as frivolous. And then we add back in. So based on our values, we work on mitigating environmental toxins, like the people, places, and things that get the best of our spending. Interesting. <laughs> and at the end, we have a new lifestyle. So, And it doesn't feel restricting because we're getting to do everything 
that we really want that it's important to us. But you can also recognize that something is, is painful. Like if you're someone who's like on really trying to watch their weight and they have to go to like a work event where there's going to be all the food, or if you're in, or if you're trying to avoid alcohol and everyone's drinking, it takes a lot of confidence in yourself to resist, especially when everyone else is spending money or drinking or doing the thing that you're trying not to do. It takes a lot of effort and a lot of self-reliance. Totally, yes. Yeah. And, and in some cases, the... So it's very much customized to what we th- basically trying things like maybe that going to a work event, what are some strategies that I can go into to help myself not drink or just have a half a drink or so what works for us and motivates us and then setting up systems, whether it's rewards, whether it's like if the, the friend example who every time you go out with your friend, she's like, oh, let's do another round and yes, not great for the wallet or the health. Um, but sharing, we don't talk about money. So a lot of times the people that we're closest with don't even know what we're trying to do. Whereas with the diet, your friends, you probably would share, oh, I'm really trying to lose five pounds or I'm trying to be healthier and taking a month of not drinking. But with money, we don't tell them so they can't really support us. Yeah, and it's funny, like for... um I had a birthday last year, and one of my friends said, I just can't go out for dinner this year. I will meet you guys for a drink afterward. And it was great. We said, great. So we found a place. and No one was mad. No one was hurt. And she found a way to be there for me on my birthday in a way that it is ridiculous to spend that much money on a birthday. It's not even my thing to spend money on a birthday. But I was really impressed that she showed up in the way that she was able to and ended up having a really good time because you don't want to watch a friend, you know, sweat as they put down their credit card just to be like a nice person. I think that's so silly. Right. And then you're not even enjoying the dinner. And, no. Right. Or you order something small and everyone's like, is that all you're eating? <laughs> and then everyone orders something big and then you split the bill. Yes. And then I, or everyone orders, you know, two bottles of wine and you're like barely drinking. This is like my, becoming my life story. But, um, so you also have a phrase that you talk about, about de-stressing your money. What does that mean? So I think there is a misconception, and we all do, not all of us, but a lot of us do it, is we think if we don't face our money or don't look at it, that it will be less stressful. And imagine like an ostrich head in the sand. And I think we have so much working against us when it comes to our money, and technology makes it easy to not look at it. We are hopping in and out of Ubers, not paying. A button and a box shows up at our door. But I think a lot of distressing it is taking a look because it's usually not as bad as we think. And then once we look, we can do something about it. Okay. And then just dedicating more time to it. How do you recommend tracking your spending? How do you tell people to get started? I say make it as easy on yourself as possible. So if... Some people love carrying around a physical notebook and they're writers and they like to write it down. Others like to keep it in an app or in notes on their phone. Whatever is going to make it easiest, I think, is the best way to start versus, again, trying to do it perfect or not forget or and just to be nice to yourself as you build the habit. So if I do a 30-day money cleanse and I still feel like I'm still struggling, can I? is there a 60-day money cleanse? Like how, how can you keep going? Some people need that routine. Otherwise, they just fall off. Yes. People in my money cleanse take it over and over. I think it's like layers of an onion. Yeah. And you keep getting closer to that essential, what you, how you want to be living with your money. But at the time, when it's easy, it's like the crunch. This is a weird analogy. I'm but into it. <laughs> the crunchy layers of an onion fall off easily, like the spending that you're ready to let go of. But that the other layers might take time 
they and they're more complicated because it's just like weight loss, in my opinion, because in the beginning you go in there, go to Weight Watchers, and you say, I want to lose 10 pounds. But then as you lose the weight, you start thinking about how you gain that weight and, like, were you sad when you were eating all that stuff? And it starts to get very complicated. That it's not just about the weight. It's about family and feelings. And then you have a lot more to think about. Right, right. And what if, if for example, shopping was something that you did when you were sad or when you were bored? Sure. What's replacing that? Or how are you, now that you're not shopping, are you doing something else? Yeah. Totally. I, you know, I, I once always, you know, I was sad, so I shopped. There's so much aggressive marketing now um, on, your, on Instagram, in your email box. It's so hard. They make you seem like you're going to miss out if you don't buy this on-sale item. And do you teach that, how to resisting impulse buying? Is that part of the money cleanse? So there's definitely strategies, and some people struggle with it more. A lot of people in the money cleanse unsubscribe because also I'm not a fan of going shopping to just shop because then you need something that you didn't even know existed. And now you need it. And so I think being more intentional, oh, I need this thing, and going out and finding that versus, oh, perusing. But some people love doing that, so it's how to set up a system so they can have that. Um, but we are marketed to a lot, and yeah. we're not educated around money, and it's emotional, and there's just a lot of things that are working against us. So tell us um, some other things that would be involved in a money cleanse. So you talked about eliminating frivolous spending, and that's personal to you. First of all, what, what are some examples that you have found in your clients about a frivolous spending that people were able to to cut out. I think that would be really helpful for our listeners. Yeah. So one thing I say in the money cleanse too is try it. Because I think this, the like with the diet, if you say, I'm never having sugar again, then all you want is sugar. <laughs> so yeah. if you say, I'm going to try and see, like I'm going to try and walk a different way to work and see if I miss grabbing coffee or my morning muffin or I'm going to – try to bring my lunch and see what that's like for me. I think the trying gives it room to be non-permanent if you didn't like it. Yeah. So I would say try things. And people have all different levels. Again, it's like the, the onion. Just because it's if you're saying it's necessary doesn't mean it's something that you need or you'll die. It right. could be, oh, I need physical activity. So some type of exercise needs to happen. And maybe that's my yoga membership, but not private sessions. And Or um, someone in the money cleanse right now was asking about organic. Like, is that frivolous? And it's a line that they have to choose. Right. Is all or some people would say, yes, it's critical, everything organic. Some people would say, well, only if I eat the skins, it's organic. <laughs> it's critical. You can get really into the... Into it. So can I ask you a personal question? Yes. What, what did you consider a frivolous uh, spend that you were able to cut out? One of the first, so one of the things I did when, on my own money journey was look at every expense annually. Okay. And I think that makes a big difference because I, a lot of my clients will say things like, oh, I really want to go on a vacation, but I can't afford it. And then if we just look in different areas, maybe their lunch adds up to $3,600 and that's exactly what they would need for their big trip. Or um, So mine was like very stereotypical coffee. (laughs) But that's really great because I think day to day you think to yourself, oh, like that whole Starbucks rule, you could save $5 if you do this and every, you know, some people need their coffee, you know, it's not, but if you are spending $200 a month on cabs, that really does add up throughout the year, and that is money that can go into your retirement, and that is money that can go to something joyful. Um, 
but and I guess if you see the larger amount of money, you're more likely to want to make the change than just like, I'm just, oh, so I saved $30 today. Big deal. You right. Know? And I think the, the cool part about it, and my approach is very much, a lot of my clients choose to keep the coffee, but it's a conscious choice. Yes. And it's, and I think sometimes for people looking at the number is all they need to see. Like that, no, it's not worth spending 4000 on lunch. But other times it's like, is that normal? I don't know. So I like to have people look at expenses in terms of other things that make them happy. Okay. So I call that like your opportunity cost. Okay. What are some other things that could make someone happy that they might not be thinking about? So someone um, says, my favorite thing to do is have dinner with friends. On average, it's $60 a time. Okay. Now, if your coffee or if your cabs, let's say they add up to 200 a month, your cabs add up to 200 a month. Now, how many dinners out could that be? And would that make you happier to take the subway or take a cab and then, or to walk, and now you get three more dinners with your friends? I think it's a really nice way of looking at it because so much of personal finance is so punitive, and it makes you feel so bad for all the choices you made. There's never any, like, positive, op, you know, like, that's, like, a nice way of putting it. You know, instead of doing this thing, which might not give you happiness, you'll have more money to do the things you want versus you're never going to retire. <laughs> you're going to, you're always going to be bad at, at, at money, you know. <laughs> like, you're an idiot for doing this. I find some of the things that financial advisors say are just really, some people like to, to be bossed around and to be made to feel like, like kids again. But I don't find that very helpful for long-term results. I agree. I agree. I, I also, just, just because... You could add more happiness doesn't mean you need to save it. You you could just spend your money in a way that will be smarter for you. There's so much there's so much optimizing that we can do Absolutely. from where we are. Okay, so we all know what goes into a healthy diet. Whether or not we actually eat a healthy diet is another thing. What goes into a healthy financial picture? I think it's important to look ahead. So something I see a lot is we look we think, oh, every week's going to look the same or every month. But there are months where we have big trips or we have the holidays. And so I like looking at the next 12 months at least to, to get an idea. I think looking at your values and making sure that when someone looks at your financial plan, they can tell what's important to you versus, oh, I'm spending most of my money on things that are not important at all. And something I think that's missing a lot is making it easy on ourselves sure. and then making it fun. It's true. I mean, can you have fun saving money? Can, can that be done? So. <laughs> I think so. What are some ways that it could be fun and not feel like torture? So I am a big fan of money parties. Go on. Which is time we set aside to deal with our finances. Okay. And I like having a recurring calendar reminder so that it's just there because if we don't create the time, we'll never have time. And then everyone makes things fun differently. I have someone in a workshop recently said they only have – well, their, their plan was to only have ice cream, which is their favorite food, when they have money parties. Okay. So now they very much look forward to their money parties because it's when they get ice cream. <laughs> so what goes – okay, so I, I think this is fascinating. So what? how can a person – how can one of our listeners throw a money party? How can they get started? So you want to set the agenda before you have your money party. Okay. Well, what's, what's an example of an agenda? So the agenda – so first things are like the, all the things we put off that kind of come up, the one-offs. Like, oh, I've been meaning to roll over all of those IRAs or my 401K or the bank charged me a fee again and I need to call them. Those things that kind of hang over our head huh. can all be compartmentalized. Conversations with partners, family, all compartmentalized into the money party so we're not – talking about money all the time if we don't want to be. 
And then generally checking in on your goals. How did spending look over the last two weeks? Do I want to start saving more? Those type of things. Is it a party of two? It could be a party of 20? It can be a party of many. So if you definitely, I like the idea of making it fun in the party. So you could have be cozy, have your favorite beverage, um, put on music. But then you can also reward yourself. So if you have a money party with all of your friends, you can all have your money party. Maybe there's time to talk about what's going on. And then as a reward, you all go out together after. Yeah, because so everyone deals with the one thing they want. Instead of like, it's so funny, it reminds you of um, like a stitch and pitch where everyone gets together and knits and complains. <laughs> <laughs> it's like getting your money stuff out there and and just putting it all there. And then everyone, it's so, I, th- I find that if, you, if one person admits they have a credit card debt, then everybody starts to admit it. Yeah, we have no idea that everyone around us, all of our friends, have money struggles, and it makes us feel very alone. So what would be your advice, is my last question, um, for somebody that is looking to, they might not be ready to do a money cleanse, but what is your advice for somebody that's really looking to make a change with their finances? I am a big believer in just taking one small step, and if... That means having an auto transfer for $5. If that means keeping a money journal for the first time, that small step, if it's small enough that we feel like we can conquer it, it it has a snowball effect and gets us excited to take more steps. How can someone keep, some people have trouble keeping to diets. How can they keep to a financial diet? It's a great question. I I really think it's about kindness to ourselves and just we have, I think understanding how much we have working against us when it comes to money can help us have some compassion for where we are. And just knowing that if everyone else is struggling with this, it's not really about us and our failure. And then from there, we can take steps forward. I think that's great. I, I love it. I'm all about empathy and compassion. That's that's my thing, too. Yes, with ourselves, too, not just other people. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. Please uh, tell us how our listeners can learn more about you and what you're up to. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. You can find me on pretty much all social media at The Fiscal Femme. And I, The Money Cleanse is a program you can take, and it's also a book that is coming out January 1st, The 30-Day Money Cleanse, which is it's available for pre-order now. And do you have a website? Yes, thefiscalfemme.com. Thanks for listening to Teach Me How to Money. Send us your questions at teachmehowtomoney at stashinvest.com, and we'll try to answer them on a future episode. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a review on the iTunes store, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Don't have Stash yet? Just go to stashinvest.com slash podcast, and you can get $5 to get you started on your investment journey. Stash, it's your money. Simplified. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute a recommendation from Stash to the listener. Neither Stash nor any of its officers, directors, or employees makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any of the information contained in this podcast and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Stash, and Stash is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving of advice by Stash to the listener, nor to constitute such a person a client of Stash.